You're listening to Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey, the podcast that shares wisdom and strength. Join your host, Dr. Michelle St. Jane's weekly conversation on how to have a positive impact for people, planet, and the wider world. If you want to live a life of intention, be proactive with your time, and bring your vision for the future to life one today at a time, you are in the right place at the right time. Let's get started. Well, because every stroke tells a story, Teresa Abraham says she's a professional handwriting analyst or graphologist, as well as the founder of Handwriting PI. This is a business built to help companies navigate challenges of employee selection, retention, and security. I encourage you to follow her. She is setting the pace in the handwriting analysis and on podcasting. So Teresa studies a person's handwriting to assess their character, attitude, and experience. And I quote, handwriting is like cooking or painting, just as there are so many ways, only so many colors and flavors. There are 26 letters and it's how you combine them that sets you apart. I just love this. So Teresa, did you become a graphologist by choice or by chance? Well, I think taking it professionally, Michelle, was definitely by choice, but actually getting the knowledge about it and learning how to do it was totally by chance. I just happened to be born into a family where this kind of thing is totally normal, and I grew up with it. Oh boy, family influences, they can be such fun. I'm going to share my little story because my great-grandfather in Wales used to send his family, my grandmother and her family, a postcard every Monday. And I'd never met him and I did not know this, but decades later, an aunt of mine came to visit me at university. And every Monday when I had my coffee break, I would sit down and I would write postcards to my family around the world, only to find out that I was carrying on a family tradition. So being a lefty, uh, left-handed, meant I had to be really careful not to be smearing and I had to write quite small because I had to get quite a bit on a postcard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. I just love that story, Michelle. So sometimes you can be carrying on family traditions and not knowing it. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Exactly. around handwriting. I think Julia Cameron says we write, W-R-I-T-E, to write, R-I-G-H-T. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, we think of handwriting as just putting pen to paper and, you know, it's our hand, but it's not. It's coming from our brain. And there's so many different, you know, the nervous system is involved with it. Our chemicals and how our entire body is functioning that day actually comes into play in how we handwrite. So it is really a very personal snapshot every time you put pen to paper. It is a reflection of who you are and how you are feeling right at that moment. And what a great way to show up in the world. I mean, we can do it verbally, but we can also be put pen to paper as you said so a graphologist when I thought of a graphologist I was thinking forensic and psychology I mean the field is wide open how did you come to specialize Graphology is sort of that entry level into all of the more forensic and scientific part of it. So graphology is really, it's just taking the strokes that you put on paper. It's the graphic movement that you put on paper and taking a look at it and saying, you know, how does this work in comparison with all of the data that we have? And there's been lots of studies to show that 99% of the people are going to do it this way. So if you're doing it this way, it means something very specific. And it's just a matter of learning and doing, practicing, practicing 
practicing, practicing, just gathering samples and looking at them and analyzing it and reading and comparing. And, you know, there's peer review groups that you can go through as well. So for me, the graphologist part is really just kind of that entry level. I haven't taken it yet to the step to be able to do forensics. That's a little bit different document examination. There's a lot more measurement involved with that. You have to have a lot more different samples to go with it. And you wouldn't ever just invite somebody to send you one sample and give them an analysis back. So for me, graphology is more the entry level, but I also find it to be the most satisfying. I'm not one to sit down and measure, 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 and then keep on measuring and comparing it to another sample that I've only measured. I really like to get to know the person behind the handwriting and not just the facts about the handwriting. My experience of having had the opportunity for you to analyze my handwriting is you came across to me as very intuitive, sensitive, and uplifting. Like clearly you were curious, interested, and engaged, but you were also sort of uplifting. Like you gave me some pointers about what I did well, and you gave me some pointers about where you would encourage me to not continue a practice of double crossing my T. Explain that. Double crossing my teeth and the negativity. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you so much for that description. That is really beautiful. And thank you, Michelle. And part of that that just really touches me is that is really my whole outlook on life. I really feel it's important for us to uplift one another and to simply extend understanding to people rather than judgment. And it's so important just to say, what is it from this person's point of view and how can I help it? Or do I just need to stand back and give them the space to help? themselves too. That's part of that question. So thank you for that beautiful compliment. Now, as far as your double crossing T's, you're right. I did mention that ever so briefly when we were talking and I just said, that's maybe not the greatest thing to do and look away from that. A double cross T is usually the sign of somebody who is a little bit anxious. And we see that in people who might start to doubt themselves. Like it's an example of if you leave the house and then you're thinking, did I actually lock the door? And then you have to maybe even go back depending on on how severe that trait is. In yours, it was just, you did it only a couple of times. It wasn't super severe, but you might actually have to go back to check. Did you really lock the door? Because otherwise it's going to keep on bothering you. The proverbial, did I turn the oven off? <laughs> Taken to the extreme where you actually have to go back and check on the oven. If you stop double crossing those T's, you're also going to release some of that anxiety and that need to double check and recheck yourself. Great wisdom. And I have been very cautious and also being observant of not doing that because I am one of those people who think, did I leave the oven on? So, you know, it was a great tip to look out for and also knowing I could take action. It wasn't like that anxiety couldn't be dealt with, which was a very beneficial outcome. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So the science of handwriting analysis has a really long history, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But I'm curious to know who your favorite philosophers or one philosopher or more would have been. My favorite philosopher. Oh my goodness, that's a pretty big question. I know that I really did like a lot of what Aristotle said. Just so much of it was so practical and so straightforward and in fact is still so applicable today. We can take a lot of what he said and it's used. And I think he's actually the one that said, know thyself. That's the, the most important thing that you can do. And to me, it's like I wholeheartedly believe that that self-awareness, knowing ourselves is our job. That's why we're here. And in order to to be fulfilled and doing the best that we can in this world, we have to know ourselves first. 
Absolutely. And I think you take from the philosophers the fact that a person's writing provides insight into character and personality. So I would love for you just to share, how can leaders and organizations use a graphologist? There's so many different ways that you can use it once you start to understand what it can reveal. Right now during COVID times, because so many companies are working remotely, you're not even around that person all of the time. So no longer can you even get that sense of, is this person feeling okay? Or are they feeling off? Are they up? Are they down? Is there something bothering them? Which quite often we get that from people's energy when we're around them. We can just start to tell they're not feeling so great. But because we're working virtually, we're distanced, we no longer have that immediate connection with people. And if you start asking people to write something by hand, you can see it and you can start to see if there's any big changes, then you know you want to bring it up. And it's amazing how handwriting changes, even though it stays the same on one level, there's little nuances that will change that indicate this person is struggling. Maybe they need a little bit more help. Maybe they need a bit more one-on-one. And so it's a really great way to stay clued into how are your employees actually feeling despite what's coming out of their mouth. What a great tool. And it's been around a long time. I noticed on your website, you said in Europe, the study of handwriting has been going strong since the 1600s. That's a great idea for companies. And I've shared a little bit about why I was delighted with the analysis you gave, but why would someone seek to get their handwriting on a personal level analyzed? Mm -hmm. I think the best thing for people to understand is that when you're doing a handwriting analysis and you're getting it analyzed, it's a picture of who you are right now. So anybody who is looking at self-discovery, Anybody who's wanting to become self-aware, which I think as a leader, super important. You need to be self-aware if you are going to be an effective leader. So when you take a handwriting sample and we do an analysis of it, it is very much in this moment, who are you? What is present for you? And sometimes as people, we get stuck on who we were. We have this idea of this is who we are, but it's really based on who we were not who we are. And we have blinders on and we can't see it for ourselves. And so even when we go online and we might take a personality test, we might take some sort of an assessment, but we're answering those questions based on our own interpretation of who we are. When you give it to a graphologist, you do a handwriting analysis. We don't have any of those biases. We're looking at the paper. We see who you are right now. Who are you? And I think that's the most valuable part is we can strip away some of those blinders and bring you up to who are you right now, not who you were. So I'm curious, what was the most surprising thing that's happened when you've done an analysis? Hmm. The most surprising thing. That's a tough one. You know, I think people are often surprised by the depth of knowledge and the depth of insight that they get, that they can receive from a handwriting analysis. I think one of the the best ones, and I kind of think it's funny as well, which doesn't often happen in graphology. Usually people are more surprised and then they might cry, but there was one that was a surprise and I find it kind of funny because I was doing a analysis for actually another podcast host. And she had said, you know what? I'm an open book. You can talk about anything you like on my show when you do this analysis. And I said, oh, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Usually people are very, you know, they'll say, please don't talk about this or that. And they'll have little rooms that they don't want public. And she was like, nope, it's wide open. There's nothing that you can say that I will not be comfortable with. And when I did the analysis, the most striking part was something that she actually never shared with any of her followers. And she's like, that's the one area 
I never talk about. And it was just kind of funny because she's like, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you know it, but there is no way that you were doing any research on me because even if you had, you would never have found that information. So I think she was really surprised that the one thing that she's a little bit reticent about talking about is the one thing that showed up so profoundly in her handwriting. See, in my experience, you also did that to me. I had put it in my handwriting about an issue I'd been dealing with for a decade. And I was so amazed because you said to me, the body speaks through our handwriting. And I got some feedback. So the listeners will have to listen to our episode <laughs> to hear. But I got some feedback that was an aha moment. Although I think I debated mm-hmm. with you on a couple of things. I did have an aha moment on that one. So that was unexpected for me. Like I've spent a decade trying to unravel this issue. And then from my handwriting, you basically, you said the body speaks. And then you said, this is what I'm seeing. And I'm going, "Uh (laughs) aha, did not see that coming. So good advertisement for the wonderful things, the surprising and the unexpected can be beneficial, even if it's unexpected. (laughs) Yes, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah, it can be unexpected and takes you by surprise because it's not what you're expecting. And I think that's the thing is when we're doing handwriting, there are so many different pieces to it that we can't consciously keep them all in mind. You might start to focus and say, okay, I want to be neater because I know somebody else is going to read this. So you try to be neater. Or you might say, I really want to focus on my spelling, but there's so many other layers to it and you can't consciously keep them all up front. And so the body has this way of still getting the message out, still getting it through. And it's a message I could have only got by you analyzing my handwriting, which I really appreciated that popping up. That was totally unexpected bonus. I love that. You you speak to the fact that there's a distinctiveness to handwriting when it's being assessed. Any strategies or tips? So for example, one of my takeaways was not to double cross the T. Anything that's a typical, oops, that's not a good thing to do, or this is a good thing to do. Yeah, great question. There are definitely red flags in handwriting. Like that double cross T is always something that we look at and say, "Mm, this one we want to just check on to see how severe is it. So there are definitely things that happen in handwriting that when they happen, you want to be aware of. Some of them, actually all of them, have to be taken in context. So to say 100% there's something that is always going to be a red flag is a little tougher. I think if I had to choose one, I would say focus on not not entangling your lines. So if you notice that when you're writing on unlined paper, you're going to take a blank sheet of paper. And if you write and you notice that the the lower zone, those bottom parts of your Y's, your J's, your G's, your Z's, if they get entangled with the line below, that is an indication that you're feeling a little bit confused, that there's not a lot of mental clarity there. So if you could just focus on giving yourself space, make each line separate, think a little bit ahead and just make sure that when you start that next line, you have space for it to happen below the writing of the other line. I think that is probably my number one tip because so many people right now, they are looking for clarity. They are looking for focus. And that is a really simple way of doing it is just separate those lines out. Okay. I'll go a little technical. I'll go just a little bit technical here because your lower zone, which is those tails of your Y's and your G's and your P's and your Z's, that's indicating your subconscious. It's representing your drives, the physical drive for activity, for sex, your money drive. 
all of that type of stuff is going on below the line. Typically, if you're entangling it, you're entangling it with the upper zone of the next line. And the next, that upper zone is all about the intellect. It's about your mind. It's about your thinking. It's about big ideas, dreams, and hopes. So when you're entangling the two, it's showing that you don't have a way forward. You are confused. It is very much so. If you just separate the two, it's really going to help you to feel like you can find a way forward with positivity and focus. So I'm going to ask you, what can you tell from a signature and why would you analyze it? Yes. Mm, Great question. So a signature is very specific. We create our signature to be a public representation of ourselves. So we leave it in place of ourselves. And we're saying, yes, this is me. When I sign my name here, it says, I agree with it. It is me agreeing to this or doing this or leaving or, or writing it or whatever we did. So it's a public representation of who we are. So what it shows us is who we want to be seen as in public. So it shows who it is that we want to be seen as in public. Our handwriting, our normal handwriting shows who we are in private. So between the two, it can show us, is this person the same in private as they are in public? And one of the most striking ones to see is if somebody has a signature that slants to the right, they're showing that they really want to be seen as a people person in public, which is great. There's no problem with that. That's an awesome trait to have. It means they're going to be thinking of other people, probably make easy connections with them. If you look at their handwriting and you see it slanting to the left, it shows you that really and truly that person is not as much of a people person as they want you to believe. Wow, that is very useful. I'm all about a conscious journey and I have spent the majority of my life getting my insides to match my outsides. In other words, being authentic. It's exhausting to try and be something that you're not. So that is a really powerful, wow. (laughs) It is, it really truly is. You are the host of a most unusual tea party a fabulous podcast, by the way. It's all about the power of the talkative tea. And Teresa's not talking about the drinkable tea, although I have a cuppa when I was doing my episode with you. I really enjoyed being a guest on the Love Languages series. It was an awesome experience and certainly a gift of reflection around a major area of my life, as I mentioned earlier. So tell us about the tea. Why would you podcast about the tea? Yes, the letter T. And yeah, in my podcast, A Most Unusual Tea Party, that's what I do is I really focus on the letter T to unlock a person's personality. And the reason that I choose a T is not because my name starts with a T. That has nothing to do with it. In fact, the letter T is just really talkative. It has over 450 ways to be made. So that alone is very distinctive in how you choose to make it. It also uses a lot more of our muscle coordination. We have to go up and down. We go side to side. Plus we have the choice of, do we actually pick the pen up off the paper to cross the T or do we keep the pen on the paper to cross the T? Then there's the whole thing of, do we even cross the T at all? So there's a lot of different pieces to making a T and each one of those can tell us a little bit more about a person. So that's why I choose the letter T to focus on. I'm curious, what's your next favorite letter? 
Oh, my next favorite letter would be, I often find myself looking at the letter Y or the letter G, either one of those ones, because they again are very talkative. And I think probably the letter G more so than the letter Y, because whether or not you close that circle part of the G tells us a lot, whether you make it elliptical, whether you create like a figure eight rather than an actual G, whether you close the loop on the bottom, whether there is no loop, there's so many variations to the letter G and each one again tells us something a little bit more insightful about the person. So I think my next favorite letter would be the letter G. I was thinking you might go with an A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how come an A? What is it about the A that you think would be interesting? Well, T is your first name, A is your last name. But there is, again, A is another one. There's so many ways to write an A, but I am not an <laughs> yeah. When we're looking at handwriting, it's always about your lowercase letters. We take a look at the uppercase letters, but it's very limited what we're looking for with those because those aren't going to give us a lot of information. So we want to focus on your lowercase. And the lowercase A, there's not a lot we can gain from it. It's a pretty straightforward sort of thing. And that same sort of information we can also get from the O. Cool. So I'm going to go back to your podcast. Mm -hmm. Again, did you get into that by choice or by chance? That was by choice and yet by chance. <laughs> I wish it was an easy answer. I think overall it was by choice because when I started handwriting PI and I started it in April of 2020. And at that point, we were just at the very beginning of COVID and we really didn't have a clue of how it was going to progress. But my entire marketing strategy was based on in-person events and networking, talking to people and doing mini analysis for them on the spot. So when COVID came around and it said, oh, actually, we're not going to be doing any of that anymore. I needed to find another way to get the message of graphology out there of saying, this is what I can do. This is how I can help you. And so by chance, my daughter and my son are like podcasting. They were all about podcasting. They're like, this is absolutely where you need. So it was really by chance that it was my kids who told me about podcasting and gave me the support that I needed to actually get past the learning curve and start and actually publish it. And I'm ever so grateful that they did that. I absolutely adore doing podcasting. It is an unexpected bonus. Well, you were starting in April and May. I was sitting in quarantine thinking, what am I going to do? I had this, I'm not going back to the office. I am not getting on a plane. And I love to do public speaking and I love to do research. So when I kind of meditated around that, podcasting popped into my head. I kid you not. I had to go and Google what is a podcast. <laughs> moment like oh this would be awesome and got myself knee deep in doing it that was April May and about mid-August because I wanted to launch the first of September I'm thinking oh I'm gonna have to give up and then an awesome team crossed my path and everything launched and I am having so much fun and meeting amazing people like yourself so 2020 has just been for me I've just met so many awesome people who have started podcasting but the power of it and the feedback I've been getting I never got that kind of feedback from public speaking. It was well received and I loved doing it. But podcasting is just creating this whole diverse reach and opportunity to speak truth out into the sort of digital sands of time. Yes. Have it captured like a beautiful living legacy in ether space. I'm having so much fun and I can tell oh. by your face you are too. <laughs> 
Oh, so true. And I love when you were talking about how, you know, you love to public speak. I was just thinking of my own journey where that was my biggest hiccup. I'm just like, I am not a public speaker. Getting up in front of people is not my forte. And my biggest struggle with podcasting was actually listening to my own voice and having to do the editing and hear myself. And that was a huge hurdle for me to overcome. But now that I'm on the other side of it, it's amazing to me because for most people, when they hear my podcasts or they do the aha experience with me, the one thing that they always comment on is the fact that my voice is so gentle and that they just feel relaxed by it because it is gentle. And I always think that's kind of funny because to me, that's my biggest cross to bear is my voice on tape. Your gentle voice was definitely my experience as well. And I'm so grateful for your presence in the world and your gift of your knowledge and sharing and creating innovative content. Thank you so Mm. much, Teresa. Oh, thank you, Michelle. That was a beautiful compliment. And I truly appreciate that. And you were an absolute delight to have on my show. And I can't wait to air it. I don't have the date for you yet, but stay tuned and we will get it. Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership, and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe. Leave a review and a rating. But more importantly, share with your connections.